being able to go from maybe in the past just investing their digital money in Meta and in Google to new platforms like Pinterest and TikTok and, and programmatic advertising. This is a few benefits where you can be really tactical in where you invest when you find an audience that is really interested in your product and you're getting a lot of profitable sales, you can pivot there quickly. It also allows you to test more creative and test more messaging and really figure out exactly what the message that resonates with your customer is across a lot of different formats. And people behave differently on all of these social apps. You're listening to E-Commerce Fastlane, the podcast show to help you build, manage, grow, and scale a successful and thriving company powered by Shopify. Listen to real conversations with partners and subject matter experts as they share proven practical strategies, platforms, and the best Shopify apps to help you accelerate your business. The time is now for you to improve efficiencies, grow revenue, profit, and lifetime customer loyalty. Please welcome your host, startup founder and strategic advisor, Steve Hutt. Today's episode is brought to you by Gorgeous, the leading customer service platform for Shopify e-commerce brands, helping merchants to unlock revenue and deliver exceptional customer service. By prioritizing customer engagement, brands can create deeper and more personalized experiences for their shoppers. With the rising costs of acquiring new customers, retention is the key focus for direct-to-consumer brands. Creating outstanding customer experiences shouldn't be costly or a burden for your customer support team. This is exactly why Gorgeous is so great. Gorgeous helps you improve your customer experiences by managing all of your communication channels from one dashboard. It provides you with the ability to customize messages and automate replies, giving Gorgeous users an unparalleled power to resolve customer inquiries quickly and personalized, which is why you need to improve your customer retention. Get started with Gorgeous today and start managing all of your communication channels from one platform that's designed to help you. Exclusive to my listeners is a two-month free trial. So go check them out today at ecommercefastlane.com forward slash gorgeous. Well, hey there. My name is Steve Hutt. I'm Senior Merchant Success Manager here at Shopify. And welcome back to the fifth season of Ecommerce Fastlane. Now, whether this is your first time listening or you're a weekly subscriber, I seriously appreciate the fact that you're taking time and listening to the show today. I know there's plenty of podcast choices in Shopify e-commerce and direct-to-consumer marketing, and just the fact that you're here today means the world to me, and I know it does for my featured agency guest today, which is quite interesting. Typically, I do like SaaS and marketing platforms. Today, I'm very fortunate to have an agency partner who's in the Plus Certified Partner, so they have the reliability and the scalability, and they've jumped through all the boxes have been checked about being able to manage and help the biggest, baddest brands in paid media. And we're going to talk about attribution today. We're going to talk about, we can dabble in content and SEO and lots of little fun topics. You know, if this is your first time listening, though, I just want to set the stage a bit that we really are an e-commerce show that we like to have as honest and as transparent conversations as possible, really about building and, and thriving with your store powered by Shopify or Shopify Plus. And I know if you're here today, you're definitely ambitious. You definitely want to take the information that you're learning today, either hire these people or learn from their from their uh, content that they're producing. There's a lot of exciting things that we're going to talk about today that's very timely, I believe. Uh, so in today's episode, my guest is Richard Hexter, who is the Director of Partnerships and Digital from a company called Electric Orange Creative, and that's electricorangecreative.com. And what they are is a digital marketing agency that helps e-commerce businesses to scale 
profitably. And that's the kind of the, the quotations around. It's super important. It's fine to scale your business, but if you're not doing it profitably, it's one of the one of my, I guess my my top three pillars I talk about with my merchants as being a trusted advisor in Shopify is I want to help people improve efficiencies. I want to help people build lifetime customer loyalty. And the number one thing I want people to do is profitably grow their revenue. And that's exactly in line about what Electric Orange Creative is all about. So I'd like to welcome Richard to e-commerce Fastlane. Thank you, Steve. Uh, excited to be here. Absolutely. And I understand this is your first podcast recording, and I feel so blessed that I have the opportunity to be able to learn about what it is that you do, because you know what's great? Everybody has a strength. Um, one thing for me, uh, my strength is the fact that I have the opportunity, partners like you, talk about the sort of solutions uh, that you're using today to help direct-to-consumer brands kind of grow and scale. You, on the other hand, being in the partnership side of the business, really understand all the pieces of the puzzle and what's what does success and great things look like from a partnership perspective it's the solutions it's all the different pieces that all come together so i really appreciate the fact that you're here today and i get the opportunity to kind of learn more about just you have some incredible brands that you guys are managing right now and uh, i think the story needs to be told about electric orange creative so let's talk on the high level first about some of the features of your agency and what you believe some of your superpowers are yeah, so Electric Orange, we've been around for a while and we've worked with many of our partners for years and years. And one of the big reasons that people come back to us and continue to work with us is that we don't act just as an agency and just as a you know professional services partner, but really as a business partner. And we have years and years of e-commerce experience within our team. And what we try to do with any of new client relationship is to really focus on the business objectives and the goals and helping people grow from zero to one or one to three or whatever that is. The main services that we provide and the main value that we try to add for our partners is to help them effectively invest and track their return from digital marketing spend across all digital channels, if that's Google, Meta, TikTok, Pinterest, you name it. And then also working uh, through content strategy and SEO. So we're helping our partners really build their brand in the digital sphere and making sure that their clients are finding them and receiving the right message that, that drives them to buy and to become lifetime customers. I'm not going to go down the agents or the SEO and content uh, rabbit hole because that is another podcast for another time because that's more of a long-term strategy. But I know maybe we can touch a bit about that, about, you know, I know you offer SEO and content strategy. I don't want to go down that road. I really want to focus more on the paid digital growth side of it. And, and I just love your business partner kind of mentality about the business outcomes you're trying to achieve. But as a long-term strategy, can you just dabble quickly about SEO and content and how you like to position that for a brand? Yeah. So I think there's really two sides to that. So one is the technical and making sure that you have all the metadata and the tags and the scheme on your site so that when someone is searching for a search term that might not be a headline of one of your pages, but is something that is a relevant term for someone who's seeking your product, that you'll come up. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the back end and the, the secret sauce to making sure that you perform really well on Google and other search engines. And then the other side that's a little bit more sexy and kind of what clients might think about more is the content and making sure that you are acting not just as, you know, a seller or e-commerce partner for your brand, but also as a trusted advisor that has information, answering questions. When people are looking for your product and they're really in the consideration phase, does your site have the data that they need to make the right decision? And if it does, um, does it tell them why you're the right partner and why you're the right product for them to buy? Right. So 
I want to talk about the origin story first. Maybe I, sorry, I went off on a tangent there about SEO because it's definitely near and dear to my heart. And it's one of, the, I used to do SEO audits with the brands that I manage and just try to find, as you're talking about, some of this low hanging fruit of the metadata, the on-page technical things. I like to get that out of the way first when I kind of onboard a new brand and then moving forward, what is the long-term kind of content strategy for exactly what you said to be in the SERPs and helping people and solving problems. And that's Google's new helpful content update that came out recently. So brands are doing well that have helpful content is not just selling. So I think it's really cool that you're aligned with that. But the pieces now of Electric Orange, like how did all the founding team come together? Like, I, I guess I'm trying to understand like the desire and the expertise to even want to build an agency. You said there's lots of, of like business acumen behind the scenes that are running the, the organization. I just like to understand who those people are and how this all come together. Yeah. So Electric Orange was founded back in 2009 by Dan, who's one of the co-founders, and Sivan, who's who's the other. And for a long time, it operated as a consultancy working on content and SEO for startups and media brands. And then over about the past four years, it really focused on scaling into a full service agency that can serve our original client set in media and brand awareness, but also really focused on e-commerce brands in the Shopify ecosystem and elsewhere uh, and retail as well. So I joined actually this year after four years at Google. I was working on the paid media side there, working with brands, large and small, helping them define their Google strategy, helping them find their digital marketing funnels. And Electric Orange uh, came as my radar when one of my clients hired them as an agency. And so that was back in 2019. I began working with them in a client relationship capacity, built a good relationship with the co-founders and ended up deciding to come over when uh, what I saw at Google really showed me that there's a huge opportunity in the changing digital marketing ecosystem to provide consulting services that weren't just kind of out of the box. And I saw so many of my clients at really big brands that you would think would have things figured out, just totally lost with how rapidly things were changing. And to me, that represented a really exciting opportunity to help brands scale profitably, to help define kind of what the new wave of digital marketing agencies looks like. And I really trusted and believed in the vision that the founders of Electric Orange had, and they decided that it would be great for me to join and help define that, that next level of strategy. That's why I have you on today. I, you know, I, I, I want to talk about some more, uh, more tactical things now that's, that's kind of in, you know, your realm of experience is about what's happened with uh, Apple and the iOS uh, 14.5, I believe, is what kind of started all of this, this, you know, this manually opting in to be tracked and most people are no and this kind of cookie apocalypse that's on its way with Google and Chrome and all this craziness and, you know, the benefits of first party data, you know, we can just go down that rabbit hole, I guess, for a minute. But it's just, I'd like to understand, like, from your perspective, like, like what has this 14.5, this iOS update, how has it impacted Shopify merchants about this performance marketing side of it? If people aren't opting in, I get all this feedback from my merchants that I'm having this silly blended ROAS now and the cost per acquisition is quite high. It just doesn't seem to be working. And so what do you say to brands like that when this is what they're experiencing? Yeah. So I think one thing that's important to know on this is that it's not that ads just stopped working. <laughs> that's true. Uh, people have not stopped responding to marketing. Yeah. What's changed true. is that the capabilities that we have to track as you know a small e-commerce brand that isn't spending hundreds of thousands of analytics software have changed significantly. In the past, you know, if someone was going across platforms on an iPhone or an Android, it was relatively easy for a Facebook pixel or a TikTok pixel to track a user and then to correctly attribute a conversion. But with the privacy updates that have come from all the big tech companies and from all the platforms, that's become significantly harder. And it's something that everyone's trying to figure out in real time. And so it's the attribution side of things that has become so, so important and figuring out how 
your marketing spend is actually impacting your bottom line because it's much less clear than it used to be. So if you looked at your Facebook CAC, for example, back in 2018, it might have been 10 times better than it is today. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your Facebook ads are driving one tenth of the sales than they used to be. So is there anything specific that you're seeing working well since you deal with a lot of big brands? Maybe we should back up and talk about who are some of the brands that you you have and are currently working with today. Just we kind of set the stage about, you know, your sweet spot of kind of who you work well with. And then once we know those kind of some of those major players that you're that you deal with and and maybe the the complexity in GMV sizes, once we kind of set that stage, I'd like to talk about maybe specific tactics that uh, you're seeing that are working well today. Yeah. So our Client set is really diverse. You know, the company was built working with startups and we love helping founders build their companies. So the base of our clients is still startups all the way from pre-seed to, to the series C level. And we've been working with e-commerce and Shopify merchants that are, you know, doing as little as 5 million revenue all the way up to hundreds of millions. So we, we have a really wide breadth of clients. And I think for us internally, that's really exciting because we get to apply some of these really kind of gritty learnings that we get from these fast changing companies to some of our more uh, enterprise brands as well. And on the enterprise side, specifically within the Shopify ecosystem, we're working with Netflix, we're working with Staples in Canada, uh, Giant Tiger, and, and a few other big re- retail and e-commerce players that we've, we've become introduced to through Shopify. But I'd say like what we really find the most exciting and where we learn kind of how to stay on the cutting edge of things is working with these smaller brands that are that are moving really quickly and kind of on the forefront of testing these new technical solutions and marketing strategies in this wild west environment that we exist in. Yeah, it's pretty wild. What's so? What is working well then? Can you can you talk about like it could be a strategy, it could be a tactic, just like what's working well right now, kind of pre BFCM, and then you know, and then then we, I'd, I'd like to pivot from that once we understand kind of the, the strategies or tactics that you're seeing that you're executing on with your your merchants that you have on retainer. Is, and is there anything that's not working well now? Is another question that I'd like to understand. So to tell people about, I think you might want to stay away from this but you need to do more of this. So I'd like to hear what your what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I would say as far as working well, we've seen a lot of success from our clients who've really diversified their funnel and diversified their marketing platforms. So being able to go from maybe in the past just investing their digital money in Meta and in Google to new platforms like Pinterest and TikTok and, and programmatic advertising, this is a few benefits where you can be really tactical in where you invest when you find an audience that is really interested in your product and you're getting a lot of profitable sales, you can pivot there quickly. It also allows you to test more creative and test more messaging and really figure out exactly what the message that resonates with your customer is across a lot of different formats. And people behave differently on all of these social apps. So it's really important to not assume that just because a message might not work on Meta, it's not going to work on TikTok. I think what hasn't been working and what's changed a lot since the 14.5 update that we were we were talking about earlier is really just being able to effectively build a marketing funnel from third-party data and to really, you know, build your whole business off Facebook lookalike audiences and off using the big tech companies' audiences to scale to that, you know, $10 million, $20 million revenue range. It's become more and more important to build these first-party audiences. And you can use a lot of tools through the ad platforms, through these new third-party pixel companies that have been growing more and more every day to do so. But the strategy that we really try to move our clients away from and what a lot of people hire us to do is to focus on building strong relationships with your customers, strong first-party data sets, knowing who those customers are, and then finding a way to really intelligently get to the next set of those people and to expand your customer base and to use that messaging and those audience lists to grow. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the diversifying uh, your channels of reach and stuff. Because you're right, uh, the elephant in the room is is Meta, and but then you got to be on Google, and then but yeah, you start getting down to Pinterest and TikTok, and yeah, and even programmatically uh, getting into some other ways of advertising. It's so interesting what's out there. What about the the influencer side of the business? Because I, I always think about the kind of creator economy. I think about UGC content as being, I mean, I know the pandemic really fueled, forget the big budgets um, in the studio now. And it almost seems like this raw, done on my on my iPhone, unboxing events and and, and and product reviews and stuff. What's What's your take on that? Does, does Electric Orange play in that space? Is there technology in-house? Do you have like, creators and influencers that you can help with? Do you produce this content in-house? I, I just want, want to get a lay of the land from an, from an influencer side. That's another separate channel I think is quite interesting for brands today. Yeah, so that's something we started playing in more and more. I would say UGC from influencers is incredibly valuable for a few reasons. One, because those influencers have a really engaged, a really engaged user base that is really interested in the content they produce and comes back without paying or with anything uh, week after week to view it. And so when you can sell your product through an influencer's followers, you gain a ton of insight into who your customers are and what really spurs them to buy. I would say the other side of it is that, like you said, nowadays ads don't look like ads did 20 years ago. And <laughs> no. people, sometimes the most effective creative is just using the selfie camera to tell a story. And if you can work with an influencer who really believes in your brand and kind of it lines up with the ethos and what you're looking to create and what you're looking to sell, then that helps you get valuable creative that you can use, you know, across your entire marketing funnel and on your site and on your own properties as well. So there's a lot of benefits of working with influencers. It's definitely a new area and there's a lot that's been changing in that space, but it's something that we're exploring and some of our most successful clients have, have found a lot of uh, traction. By, by working with influencers as affiliates, uh, as paid media, and just as like paid organic hosts. Yeah, and I think Shopify even relaunched uh, launched their uh, collabs by Shopify too. So there's ways of of getting product out to these influencers now. It's just kind of a core product. I think it's on the plus side first. Original Dovetail, I think, was the original um, app. And through acquisition and now blended right into the platform now, it's quite interesting where you can manage your group of affiliates and uh, pay them for performance and get them product. And, uh, and that whole follow-up is quite interesting. And just, you know, I'm going to throw another shout out to, to one other company that does something that I think is interesting. I, I just I want to make sure I put this influencer kind of topic to bed, but it's like, there's one company called Get Caro, which is interesting. And, and Gatsby is another company. So Caro and Gatsby tend to be doing something very, very unique in the Shopify world. So if you if you want to diversify, you know, as Richard was talking about, and putting some of your money towards other channels uh, to build your business, then these tools are great because they actually help you understand the social footprint of people that are coming to your site. So if you opt in, let's say through Gatsby, through a pop-up or an exit intent, um, getting the Instagram handle, getting your phone number, especially Instagram handle, we can understand uh, your social footprint. How big are you? How many followers do you have? And the same thing that happens with Caro, same kind of concept again, where they can look at your your order history, current order history, or your current opt-ins, and then do uh, some math dynamically and find out if someone buys from you. One of the stories they have is Tim Cook from Apple made a purchase from one of these companies that had Carol connected and Tim Cook's got, I don't know, 10 million followers. I mean, that's, a, you know, if the thing was you get notification instantly that, you know, a very high 
influenced person has just made a purchase or has just opted into your opt-in, what a great way of reaching out to them and throwing some extra bonus in the box or a Slack notification goes off to someone who manages the influencer program for the team and says, hey, someone over 50,000 followers has just made a purchase. Huh, we better pick up the phone and call them right now or thank them for their order or throw something extra in the box or a separate email could go out. So I don't want to get off a rant too much, but I wanted to let people know that there is opportunity in this diversification through influencers, through a couple different tools. So, Yeah, and I would add to that is sometimes those people can become partners and investors as well. Like there's plenty of stories. <laughs> that's, that's a good there's point. There's plenty of stories we've heard from our clients and just like kind of out in the wild of how, you know, someone who's either a celebrity or an investor or an influencer will find their product and they love it. And they're like, wow, how can I get involved and, and help scale this? So <laughs> exactly. if you're a founder and you don't have, you know, 50 million followers, which I'm sure is, is most of the listeners, then it's really great to know who who really loves your product and how you can work with them. Uh, you talked about attribution uh, a little bit ago, um, and there are some third-party pixels outside of like, you know, the meta pixel and Facebook and TikTok pixel. Everyone has their own individual pixels so they can, you know, <laughs> give them some kind of attribution numbers to uh, clicks and, and conversions. But it's also, there's been some some benefit of having a third-party pixel. Before I jump into that too much, I want to make sure we set the stage a bit about what, from your perspective, like what is first-party data? And I also want to make sure that we maybe have some extra clarity about what zero-party data is. So I'll let you start off with the first-party data kind of introduction. Yeah. So first-party data, and when you're speaking from the brand side, is really data that you own, your own customer list, people who have bought from you, people who have opted in, given you their email, given you their phone number. And this is the data that you have the most capabilities to target with on Google and on these platforms with the, with the elevated privacy restrictions that have come up over the past few years. I think it's really important to make sure you're constantly growing your first party data lists. Yeah, no, no, that's good. And that, you know, and then that makes a great point is, is that so when you have all of this order history and this order data, and then you own it, then you can come up with, I think there's a model called RFM, this recency frequency monetization. You start understanding, well, where are my active, my at risk and my churned customers? When you have this data, you're able to figure out, well, you know, they've made one purchase. Well, statistically, when do they make the next purchase? Um, and, and, and there's tools available that can really help you figure out what is typically the next purchase? Like if someone bought product A, statistically 83% bought this product. Hmm, well, I better get a marketing campaign put out to someone before they churn and don't make a second purchase and recommend, uh, you know, the, the second purchase. There's a lot of like data tools and that's where this first party data comes from. It's already in Shopify. It's a matter of how are you executing on it. The zero party data, do you have much experience with that? I have a little bit, but I just want to know if you had anything you wanted to touch about it. So, off the record, I've heard zero-party data defined a few ways recently. So like, what, what do you mean by that? Well, for zero-party, the thing that I, that I understand more is that especially when you're asking questions to people, like say through quizzes, and you're understanding what a customer's preferences are. And so I'm a cat person, or I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that, and you can start asking certain questions. And a lot of it is kind of guided selling, but in, and it kind of gets you down, down the funnel a bit to a product recommendation. But all of the answers along the way in that zero-party data is something that's been physically given based on questions is typically one way of doing it through a quiz. Like Octane AI, I think, is one, one of the tools. Yeah, the tools I, I know out what you're there. talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure if that helps a lot, but it's, it's, it's something that's certainly on my radar. Zero party, first party. Now, what about third party? We talked about the third party now. Let's talk about the third party pixels. What's your take on that and why? Not specifically about 
what third-party pixel is important to have, but like, and, and what, what vendors, what the vendors are doing this sort of thing, but like, why from your perspective, is it important outside of the, of the meta and the TikTok and, and the Google side, why should someone potentially have a thir- another third-party pixel firing? Yeah. So third-party pixels, we think are something that are critically important for brands at almost any scale. Google, TikTok, Meta, they all give you their own pixel to track and they give you that completely free, which is great. But ultimately, you're you're letting them grade their own homework when they give you <laughs> the attribution from, from their own platforms. Yeah. And I'm sure any e-commerce marketer who's looked at the data is like, okay, if I trust the individual in-platform data from every single one of my ad platforms, then I'm getting three times as many sales as I actually am. <laughs> and all of these platforms are biased towards themselves, which is understandable. 100%. And it's just kind of, part of how the game works. So the third-party pixels take a little bit of that out of that. And what they do is it's a universal pixel that's placed on your site by one party. And this is a new industry, you know, with a lot of these cookie changes and privacy changes over the past few years, there's been a ton of startups that have grown in this space. Uh, Some that we work with are Rockerbox, Triple Whale, Northbeam, and there's more that are coming up every day for different industries. But those are a few of the big D2C and e-commerce ones. The benefit of this is that they... Track all of your clicks and all of your sales across all your ad platforms and then use their own proprietary AI systems to try to synthesize that into one place so you can figure out like what was the actual path of a consumer. Did they you know, see an ad on Instagram and then maybe watch a video on YouTube and then click on Google? Because if that was the case, you might see that sale attributed to all three of those in platform. So that's, I think, an important thing that we see with third-party pixels. It helps you map the customer journey and it helps you map how many ads, how many impressions, how many clicks happen before someone actually buys. And one, this gives you a better idea of where your money's going and what the most effective platforms are, but it also gives you an idea of how you want to invest and how the top of your funnel is being filled out and how consumers are really finding you and considering you uh, all the way up to the actual purchase. Mm. Yeah, and I've, I've had, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes, I've had Rockerbox and Triple Whale on the show, North Beam, not yet. But yeah, it's something to, it's something to think about. I, I, I totally agree, uh, you know, to have this on there, because I think the challenge is, is <laughs> I love the word where you said, grade your own homework. Never heard that one, but that's so true. Everybody wants to give themselves the best attribution, make themselves look the best. I've even found, even as of late, uh, with GA3, like the regular universal analytics, now with this migration to GA4 that they're forcing people to get into, and I'm not sure what the cutoff date is, but it's coming-ish in the new year. It's like, I'm ha- I have it running concurrently right now on quite a few brand sites and even on e-commerce Fastlane, which is a WordPress site. And it's so funny how different, even though the two separate pixels are firing and they're from the same company, that they're actually different. And it's just how they're measuring it from sessions versus visits. And it's, a, it's just different. And so it's a little bit shocking. So whereas if you get like a third-party pixel and you can start aggregating this data all together into one, it gives people, it gives you like an agency partner, for example, the opportunity to be able to make better decisions and not just having to rely on on the third, the, the, I guess the first party data from each of the ad platforms. So. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there too. And there's another huge factor of this that we didn't really discuss, which is it's not just the pixel and where it's being tracked, but it's also how the conversion and the attribution is being modeled. So even if all the tracking is exactly the same and we're seeing you know across the board that the pixels are firing, if you have last click attribution in one platform and then a data-driven or a time decay model in another, the results will be completely different. And something that a lot of marketers don't totally notice is that the defaults are very different across these platforms. So if it's not something that you're intentional about setting when you set up your attribution, when you set up your dashboards, then you can find that your data is wildly different, even if the pixels are working properly because the models that they're relying on are not, are not aligned. 
Thanks for supporting our incredible sponsor, Gorgeous, the leading customer service platform for Shopify brands. They help customer success teams fulfill a promise of delightful customer experiences. This leads to higher customer retention and brand loyalty for your Shopify store. Now, don't forget to click the link in the show notes. You get an exclusive two-month free trial of Gorgeous, or you can head on over to ecommercefastlane.com forward slash Gorgeous. I'm going to pivot now to uh, what's on everybody's mind. It's on Shopify's mind. It's on Q4 right now. It's kind of BFCM prep. I mean, if you look in your inbox, if you're a marketer in any capacity, there's a million emails and a million different webinars and PDFs and downloads of everything. Even Shopify produced tons of content on like what sort of things should you be thinking about and checklists to get ready for BFCM. What are you seeing on your side? Is there any specific things that you're seeing are important for this BFCM maybe versus prior BFCMs? Are we going down the same kind of journey as we did last year or is there anything specifically different you're seeing for this year? So this year is very different than last year for a lot of reasons. You know, what we're seeing from consumer data and from some of our from our analytics tools is that shoppers are a lot more cautious with the macroeconomic environment, with inflation and everything else going on in the world. And that means that people probably aren't going to be buying things or at the same volume or at the same pace as they were last year. So as people see prices go up and they see their their checking accounts dwindle a little bit, they're going to be more careful and more considerate of what they actually purchase. And so one thing we've seen is that the consideration phase and the amount of time between when someone first discovers a brand and a product and when they actually convert has grown longer in many cases. And so what that means for BFCM and for the holiday shopping is that it's more important than ever to make sure that you're acting now to see that people are aware of your brand. It's not like it was in the past where you could just turn on a shopping campaign, you know, the week before Thanksgiving and all of a sudden you'd be getting profitable sales for hundreds of thousands of dollars. You need to be making sure that people know who you are and make sure that you're kind of building your audience lists and building those first party data lists well in advance um, of, of the actual shopping season. So, you know, I, I want to add to that. Uh, and I, I read something recently uh, from a partner and they're talking exactly what you're talking about right now. And, and they, they refer to it as the squeezed consumer about how much inflation is having a big impact on shoppers behavior and kind of what's important and kind of some of the challenges that brands are faced right now having smaller budgets or being a little bit frugal and i think on the flip side though to that to to overcome a lot of that is exactly what you just said where it's make sure that you start building your first party data list right now so that means having your email capture working correctly and making sure that you know exit intent whatever you're doing as abusive as it may appear it doesn't matter you need to have if they want to opt in they will so having that I'd also recommend even having a two-step process of getting email in exchange for a small discount now 10-15% off and say oh would you like us to double that well yes I would actually click and that means then you enter your phone number in now you get double the discount so now you have both you have a phone number and an email that goes down that that good road of having email, having phone, you know, these tools, like I mentioned with Gatsby, trying to get the Instagram handle or TikTok handle, getting that sort of thing it is also very helpful. And one last thing I'll ask, it's not the Steve show here, but one last thing I think is important is push notifications. 
you can turn on, you know, there's lots of tools out there that can help. There's even some of these marketing automation platforms have a push notification option built into them. I highly recommend you turn that on like right now and get all the people to, uh, that come to your site. If they're buyers or not, doesn't matter. Chrome's going to automatically pop up that little modal in the corner saying, would you like to be uh, notified when there's, you know, a sale or promotion or whatever. And having a push notification opt-in, legal opt-in, this is all part of your arsenal when the time comes that you want to do your BFCM promotions or any other promotion you want to do through the Q4 season. So build up your list, get SMS going, you know, and uh, think about push notifications. I think those are kind of like some of the biggies that I've been talking about a lot lately. Yeah. And the thing I would add there too is that sometimes we'll see that, you know, marketers and brands, they'll have short-term view with some of this stuff where they're like, okay, you know, I'm not getting the best conversion rate right now and I'm not getting a ton of sales in August and September. So I don't want to invest heavily in brand awareness just to bring people to my site if it's not really the time that they're going to buy. But in, in some ways, it's also kind of buying the dip and getting a great deal on bringing those consumers to your site. Because as we get closer to Black Friday, you'll see that the CPMs and the cost per clicks, they'll go up incredibly high from where they are now. And so if you're trying to build your list then, you're doing it too late and you're paying a premium. So it's really important to do everything you said, really, and make sure that you're building that audience and getting them in your ecosystem so that when you do have those deals and when they are thinking about buying your product, you're not paying you know, a premium rate to get them back and get their eyeballs there, to get their eyeballs where you want them. Yeah, another thing too is is kind of like, like in tandem on that is a, a, another strategy that's still possible in early Q4 right now is having a mobile app too. Once again, it gives you that VIP treatment, fast, snappy site, push notifications built into a mobile app. It's pretty easy through Plobal or Tapcart to be up and running in less than two weeks with a really slick mobile solution and give people the opportunity to be able to, you know, to get this, this I guess it's called the VIP treatment of having a dedicated app. It just adds a lot of cachet to a brand knowing you have that and, and loyalty can all work all nice and slick from within that. So I digress on lots of just, I like going down that journey of marketing and <laughs> I have a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, I think the TLDR of all that is just make sure that you're getting people in your ecosystem and you're reminding them of all your deals and you're not paying to do so. I think it's texts, emails, apps, push notifications. It all it all leads to the same goal and ultimately the same strategies get you there. Absolutely. I want to pivot to a story. You know, I'm really motivated. I love hearing stories about like just success stories and stuff. Like some failures too are kind of good learnings too, right? But I just would love to understand, you know, as someone who's, you know, taken you on, uh, on on retainer you've done some work for them i don't want to put you on the spot here but it'd be great to understand electric orange like hey they didn't have you they had a problem whatever the marketing was they decided to take you on um you executed some kind of strategies with them and uh maybe what it looked like on the other side by executing whatever it is that you're working on if there's anything notable that you can think of from the top of your head yeah i mean there's there's a ton of stories i would say this year has been really interesting right because last year everyone was kind of high on, you know, people having a lot of extra money and being at home and shopping online a lot. And it was really easy to scale. And so you could kind of, you know, throw anything at the wall and it would work pretty well. And so this year has been the year of reflection and being strategic. And so for us, like when we look at a lot of our clients in 2022, it's like if we can maintain and grow on 2021 sales, that's a huge win. And I'm sure as you talk to people and looking at the brands in your ecosystem, you've seen those same struggles and kind of that trend. So one that came to mind that I thought was really interesting was a, a baby product. So a brand that we work with that is something that you would buy, you know, when you have a newborn. And they had been doing incredibly well in 2020 and 2021. And we're starting to see these sales plateau at the end of last year coming into this year. 
And so one thing we were thinking about and the way we were looking at it is like, how can we expand our audiences? You know, the, as I'm sure you're aware, advertising to new parents is incredibly expensive. It's incredibly crowded. There's so many players in the space and it's important to make sure that you're differentiating yourself from every other product there. And so we we took a step back and looked at some other audiences and we actually built out a set for them where instead of just bidding on age sets of new parents and people who had recently had a child, we started uh, going older and looking at their parents and new newly minted grandparents. And we found that that demographic was incredibly profitable for them and incredibly engaged buyers because when you think about it, it makes a ton of sense, right? If, if you just had a kid, you're probably not online shopping all the time. You're you know trying to take naps and change diapers and keep your house clean. And so your parents are the ones who are doing some of the heavy lifting for you and making sure that you have everything you need uh, to take care of your child. And so that was an example of, of something we did where we we had to think outside the box to really help our clients grow and maintain beyond the 2021 uh, sales rush. And it's something that by expanding to those older demographics and the immediate family outside of just the parents, we were able to help this brand continue to expand and launch new products and and scale from the great place they've already been at. What's well, lovely. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I know you couldn't, couldn't give away the secret sauce of kind of who the brand is, but uh, you know, you definitely have a lot of notable brands that you've done a lot of great work for. And I just, I appreciate some of the privacy around that, but I, you know, it's nice to see the upside. That's very cool. I, you know, I guess in closing, I guess for today, I just would like to understand maybe the future for Electric Orange. I don't know if there's anything specifically you can talk about, about, you know, where, where the agency is headed, you know, you, you know, we talked about a lot of things today about, you know, your content and SEO strategies and things that, that you know, that you have certainly available, and, you know, your paid digital media side of the business is kind of like, you know, is your, is your, is your superpower, you know, especially in, in partnership with a lot of these third party pixels and truly being a business partner. But, you know, barring all of that, like where else do you see Electric Orange as a company headed uh, kind of into, I guess, into next year, into 23, 24? Yeah, I mean, what's exciting for us, and I think the biggest part of our roadmap is that we don't totally know where everything is going, right? There's so much that's changing in the digital marketing landscape. Yeah. And our goal is to just continue to stay on top of that. So we're investing in the best technology and the best talent to make sure that our partners have access to all of that and that we're growing brands with what works today and not what worked six months ago or three years ago. And we're never resting our laurels or being confident because of something that's been successful in the past. I think anyone who's been in marketing for any amount of time knows that that's kind of a fool's errand. And so our mission and our goal is to always just stay on top of everything that we can, make sure we have the best partners and that we're working with the most innovative brands and driving success for them in a month to month, day to day way. And yeah, never getting comfortable and always looking at the new solutions that we can bring on. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. That's kind of why I have this podcast because there's always something new and exciting. I, you know, like I'm not, it's not shiny object syndrome, but I, I, I really like to understand kind of what's out there, what's working and why. And so I kind of like to ask these kind of questions and uh, just appreciate your honesty and your transparency about kind of what, uh, you know, Electric Orange is doing. I just think this is cool. It's really cool what you what you guys are up to. And, um, you know, it's very clear that there's some really big brands that have made the choice and are current on retainer with you. I think that's, it's fabulous that you're doing some excellent work. Where do you want to send people if 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 someone's thinking that hey you know what um, I I like what Richard has to say I like what Electric Orange is all about maybe they've gone to the website electricorangecreative.com they've kind of decided that yeah you know I I need some help um, in paid media or I'm concerned about or I want to learn more about or I want to audit I don't know let's just maybe talk about like where do you want to send people and what do you believe maybe some of the next steps could be you can reach out to me and to our partnerships team at partnerships at electricorangecreative.com and. We'd be really happy to speak with you. 
it's hard to recommend just like a bespoke uh, resource for anyone because every brand and every story is so different. <laughs> it's true. And yeah. so it's the type of thing where like if you are if you're very interested in talking to us about our services and what we do and how we've helped other brands and how we could potentially work together, let's set up time to chat. Beyond that, you can look at our, our website at electricorange.myc. And we have a ton of resources out there of uh, past projects we've worked on and, and other things that you can check out. All right, that's great. So what I'll do is I'll have ecommercefastlane.com forward slash electric orange. That's going to redirect to your landing page and talking about an offer. We talked in the green room before recording today. So maybe uh, you can kind of share what that offer is. And then uh, I'll make sure that it's in the show notes and how people can take advantage of it. Yeah. So the offer is that we'd be happy to speak with anyone and do a free audit and consultation for any e-commerce brand looking to learn how they can grow more with us. And for any listeners of e-commerce Fastlane, we're going to be offering a 10% discount throughout the next year for retainer on our services, which we're really excited about. Perfect. So lots of services available. I'll link all this up in the show notes, everything from, you know, SEO to content to uh, migrations. If you're not on Shopify or looking to to uh, pivot and migrate over and um, then obviously your paid digital side of the business. And then you mentioned uh, uh, programmatic opportunities, truly being a business partner. And I think that's some of the takeaways that I get today is that it sounds like you and the leadership team are all very focused on intentionally educating brands saying, hey, we really want to be a partner with you um, and we want to collaborate with you and we want to make sure that we drive the ROI, a maximum ROI for your brand as being a business partner and understanding, diversifying your, your marketing mix, all these great things. I think this is, you're spot on. Um, this is exactly the kind of message that I'm sharing with my book of business and stuff like that. So thank you, Richard, for coming on the show today and transparently sharing. I really appreciate uh, that. It's refreshing in this space for someone to be opened and honest kind of what they're working on. And uh, hopefully uh, we can get some people into your lead pipeline and hopefully those that are are not quite ready. They've learned something today about what maybe they could work on for BFCM. So thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a, a great conversation and uh, we'd love to do it again soon. All right, sounds good. Have a great afternoon. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank you personally for being a loyal listener of e-commerce Fastlane. It's my hope that this podcast is offering you a ton of value through growth strategies, tactics, and exclusive insider tips on the best Shopify apps and marketing platforms, all with my personal goal to help you build, manage, grow, and scale a successful and thriving company powered by Shopify. Thanks for investing some time today and listening to the show. I'm so proud and excited that you have a growth mindset and are a constant learner. I truly appreciate you and your entrepreneurial journey. Enjoy the rest of the week and keep thriving with Shopify. Shopify.